Welcome to Canada's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our text is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, which says, For no other foundation can men lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. And then also, verse 16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Here we have these two thoughts that our faith in Christ is the foundation. Where will we be without the Lord Jesus Christ in our life? We'd be lost and gone to a crisis eternity. We wouldn't have a friend. We wouldn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We wouldn't be the temple of the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't be holy. We, our sins wouldn't be forgiven. Uh, we would have a very dreary life that would be made of fear and depression, and uh, no one would be around to help us when we go through the difficulties of life. But brothers and sisters in Christ have the great privilege and opportunity to walk with God and to sense His presence. And even though we have, even so, we have difficulties in life and things that come unexpected, like all people do. We still have the Lord Jesus that we can always depend on. He's promised never to leave us or forsake us. He's promised to always be there, and he helps us through the rough times and the difficult times of life. What a great blessing it is to be in the family of God. Never glory to his name, glory to his name, glory to his name. All may change, but Jesus never. It's a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio two missionaries from Japan, from, actually from the island of Okinawa, where I had served uh, in the military at one time in my previous existence. And Peter and Valerie have served in Okinawa for four years now, and they're home on furlough, and they want to share some of the experiences that they've had on the mission field. So as we were doing ministry in Okinawa and working with the local church there, we met the pastor's son-in-law. And... Uh, we have lovingly named him Charles to protect his privacy. Charles is a very interesting character. He's not a Christian. Uh, his wife is, um, but he is not, which seems to be very common in Japan where the, the wife is a Christian and then the husband is not. So we have desired to build a relationship with him. Uh, we really desire to see him become a Christian. I remember the first time that we had him over, it was such a wonderful time. We had him and his wife and his sister-in-law and basically the whole family with the kids and everyone over and we were eating together and they had such a wonderful time that at the end, in a very un-Japanese fashion, he blurts out, we should have you over for dinner. And his wife, a little hesitant, says, well, how about we 
go out for a meal. <laughs> Which is the more Japanese thing to do. <laughs> Most Japanese people won't invite people over unless you're family to their home. And at the time, they were living in a very small apartment. And so I think she was quite nervous about having us over. But that was really the beginning of uh, this wonderful relationship that we have with him. And so over, over as the months rolled by, uh, we started to just have them over on a really regular basis. And it was really interesting because there came a point where we started to feel like Charles was kind of testing us to see if we would accept him and love him in spite of behavior that he might exhibit that might not be appropriate. Um, so for instance, one time uh, I was using a wrong word in Japanese. And in the Japanese culture, you never want to correct someone when they're using a wrong word or something like that, because it's seen as very impolite. And the Japanese don't really differentiate between a person and their actions and their ideas. It's if you criticize someone's actions or ideas, then you're also criticizing the person themselves. And so he corrected a word that I said. And even my Japanese language teacher will often not correct me, even when I know that I'm doing something wrong. Even and when you ask. Even when you ask them to, yeah. <laughs> um, and so he, he made this correction and I just, I paused for a second because I was kind of surprised, but then I went on and used the word that he had suggested and, and our relationship continued on like normal. And he did several interesting things um, that just were culturally kind of questionable, but we just were so determined to just keep loving him. And I think eventually he kind of accepted that and the testing stopped, but it did go on for several months. Yeah, one of the tests actually was quite interesting. I think it would be even inappropriate here. Um, he was over at our house and we were talking about soccer. It's his favorite sport. And he mentioned that the Japanese men's team was trying to qualify for the World Cup. And so I was just trying to talk with him and learn more about the soccer team because I, I don't know much about international soccer. And he suddenly says, can I come over to watch the game? <laughs> I said, sure. He says to me, can I invite my friends? <laughs> oh, <gee>. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, sure. On one condition. And he said, what? He said, I said to him, on the condition that we can make the food and we'll provide Canadian snacks that we would normally eat at a sporting event when we get together with friends. And he says, oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a wonderful time. He invited people over and we had just an incredible time with him. And we are desperately praying for his salvation. And actually it's uh, been quite a fascinating journey just to watch him. He actually, attended our Bible ESL class where they would each week learn stories. The students would learn stories about Jesus. And at the end of each Bible ESL class, there's a memory verse. And when he first started attending, he was so excited. He would come up to Peter every week after class and share with him the verse from the week before he had memorized these English Bible verses. And so we just kept praying to God that he would just really use those verses that had been implanted in Charles's mind to kind of filter into his heart and so that he would become a Christian. And so I actually started praying as well for Charles to become a Christian through his daughter, Annabelle. He and his daughter are very, very close. And she at that point was not a Christian either. And we started praying for her salvation. We had also developed quite a close relationship with her as well. And she had been attending our kids ESL class 
and we just kept trying to pour Jesus' love into her life. And we just found out a couple months ago that she actually has become a Christian. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And she's been baptized in Japan. And so now we, <laughs> it seems like that that uh, drawing of her daddy to Christ may, may be getting started now that she's become a Christian as well. Well, that's a really interesting story. And uh, thank you so much for sharing it. Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour and for your prayers and your financial support for this ministry. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported ministry, and we count on your gifts to help us to continue on the air each week. This month, we're offering a pamphlet entitled I Am, which actually describes the seven words in the, in the book of John, where Jesus actually uses the term I Am. It starts out by describing why Jesus used the term I Am, goes back to the time of Moses when God revealed himself as I am. Then it actually traces the, the idea where people were actually starting to use the word Jehovah to describe God and describe Jesus. And then the covenant word, which we use today, Yahweh. And so then it goes and talks to each, each word, each of the seven words in John, where Jesus describes himself as I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. All these are described in a historical context in the Old Testament. And then it describes why Jesus used it of his own person as he proved himself to be God and to have control over nature and have the idea that people are sinners and need to come to faith. All these are described in this booklet. It's very instructive. It's exciting to read. It's encouraging. And I trust that you'll write in to get your copy of I Am. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And please continue to pray for this ministry.
today's message is from Reverend Art Larson and is entitled, The God-Blessed Life. I know that you enjoy this message from God's Word. Printed copies are available upon request. Someone has said that there are three stages in life. Young, middle-aged, and my, you're looking good. Well, how are you today, my friend? Many of us can identify with the writer who said it's better to say I'm fine with a grin than to let people know the real shape that you're in. Well, there is a lot of emphasis today on being physically fit, isn't there? Is there anything more important than that? Oh, I believe there is. What is it? Knowing God's blessing in your life and being spiritually healthy, spiritually fit. Having God take your life, making it new, filling it with joy and blessing, and making you a blessing to others. Now, when you're having a rough time or when you're ill or when things go wrong and you've had a terrible disappointment, you feel depressed or discouraged, when you turn to the Bible, where do you usually turn at times like that? A lot of people turn to the book of Psalms. That's where we're going to look today. In fact, we're going to look at the very first Psalm, Psalm 1, to find out the kind of person God really blesses. Let me read Psalm 1 to you. It would be a good one to memorize. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Did you notice the difference? You're either godly or ungodly. You're either righteous, that is declared righteous, with the righteousness of Christ through faith in his finished work at Calvary, and the empty tomb, or either righteous or unrighteous. You're either saved or unsaved. You're either going to heaven or you're not going to heaven. The Bible says the way of the ungodly shall perish, but God says the way of the righteous will be blessed. Now look first of all that the God-blessed person, according to Psalm 1, verse 1, is separated from the world. What do we mean by the world? Does it mean the beautiful world all around us? Does it mean that we don't care about people? No, we're in the world, but we're not of it. The word world here means the world system. 1 John 2, 15 to 17 in the New Testament says, Love not the world system. That is the way the world thinks and plans and does and has its value system. Don't love the world system nor the things that are in the world system. If anyone loves the world system, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world system, listen carefully, it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And this is not of the Father, it's of the world. And the world is passing away. But he that does the will of God abides forever. So the true believer who is blessed of God is first of all separated from the world. That is the world system. He doesn't walk according to the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't stand in the way of sinners. He doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. Notice these three words, walk, stand, sit. 
the God-blessed person does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Rather, he gets his counsel from the Word of God, the Bible, and from godly people. He searches the Scriptures and finds out what is right and wrong and lives according to the truth of God's Word. He doesn't live by the counsel of the ungodly in the ways of selfishness and greedy and false ambitions of promises that never, never, ever are fulfilled in the life of the ungodly. To think that being rich, and there's nothing wrong with being rich, but if, if you think that's the answer to true happiness, you see, you can't mix the two. You can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God at the same time. In fact, the Bible says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. So the Bible tells us to come out from among them, be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. We're in the world, but we're not of it. So the first thing God mentions about a God-blessed person is that they don't walk according to the counsel of the ungodly, but rather according to God's word. And then secondly, they don't stand in the way of sinners. That is, they don't stand for what the sinful, unsaved, ungodly stand for. They don't promote that kind of lifestyle. They don't stand for the things that God is against. They stand for the things that the Bible teaches are right and true and holy and honest and godly and Christ-like. We are in a spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. With all the armor of God on and take your stand for that which is of God and of Christ in the Bible. Don't stand in the way of sinners, the things that they stand for. So the Christian lives a completely different life. They walk different. They take a stand which is different. And they don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Why? Because the scorner repudiates God's word, God's people, God's son, God's servants. Laughs at the preacher that preaches the word of God because the word condemns sin. The scorner refuses God's word. And the fact the Bible says in the last days there'll become many scoffers and scorners who will say, where's the promise of his coming? They'll make fun of the truth of Christ's first coming and of his promise to return the second time. The scoffer doesn't want to have anything to do with the Bible. And the Christian doesn't sit, as it were, in the seat of the scornful, doesn't take sides with those kind of people. He rather takes sides with the things of God and is openly, willingly defending the truth of God's word no matter what people say. No matter if they laugh or ridicule or threaten, they take their stand, a true believer does, according to the word of God. They don't sit in the seat of the scornful. God says that the God-blessed person, Psalm 1, he says his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. That is, the Christian really feasts on the Bible. Once you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you, gives you a great desire to read and study the Bible, and then teaches you from those scriptures and opens up the truth of the Bible. Before you're saved, you don't understand the Bible. You don't have interest in spiritual things, the Bible, church, prayer. Maybe you pray when you're in trouble, but that's about it. But once you're saved, the Word of God becomes your entire affection. It becomes the most important book and possession in your life because it's eternal. God's eternal Word, and we delight ourselves in it, and we meditate on it day and night. Do you meditate in God's Word? That means do you chew over again and again in your thinking all the wonderful truths that you read in the Bible? Do you take notes? Do you write things down from the Bible? Do you memorize scriptures from the Bible? If you would memorize one verse of scripture each week, in one year you would memorize 52 verses of scripture, one a week. Can you imagine what that will do for your life? The Bible says, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 
Someone has well said, this book, the Bible, will keep you from sin. Thirdly, the God-blessed person is settled by the waters. Verse 3 of Psalm 1. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. His fruit, his leaf, the Bible says, are healthy and fresh because the person that is blessed of God keeps in touch with the water of life, with the word of God, and allows the Holy Spirit of life to permeate his whole system. He's like a tree planted, producing, prospering. He is someone who is refreshing to be around. He's planted by the rivers of water, ever-flowing water. Remember, Jesus spoke of water. He said to the woman at the well, if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I shall give you, you will never thirst again. And she wanted that water. And he said, I will give you that living water. So real, so fresh, so genuine. She was so excited, she ran back to tell everybody in the city. I've found the Christ and the living water of satisfaction and reality and genuineness that I've searched for all my life. The person whose life is bearing fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, is one who is living by that living water. And the person whose life is bearing fruit, those fruits are listed in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. These wonderful fruits will be a very evident part of the person who's planted by the rivers of water, who's been saved and planted into God's wonderful family and nourished by the Word of God and by the Holy Spirit. In fact, as you get older, Psalm 92 verse 14 says, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be Fat and flourishing. You might laugh at that. It just means fresh. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Not dried up, cranky, hard to get along with, a menace to society, but a refreshing blessing to all that you meet. See, the God-blessed person is separated from the world system, satisfied by the Word of God, delights in it, meditates in it, memorizes it, and is situated, settled by the water of life, brings forth fruit, and does not wither, but great refreshing blessing during his lifetime. Oh, that that were true of you and me. So someone tells us about such a person. And then it simply closes by saying this, changes the whole subject. The ungodly are not so. Oh, the ungodly are different. They are like chaff which the wind drives away. They have no substance. Therefore, the Bible says the ungodly will not stand in the judgment. That means that when the judgment day comes, they won't be able to stand. They'll hear God say, depart from me, I never knew you. And they won't stand in the congregation of the righteous either. That is, those who have been declared righteous in Christ. Not self-righteous, but the righteousness of Christ. Those who will not stand with the righteous have never come to Christ to receive the righteousness that he alone can impart. The Bible says that his righteousness is the only righteousness God will accept and that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags to God and God will say to such people, I never knew you. The eyes of the Lord, the verse says, are over the righteous. The Lord knows what we do, where we go, if it's pleasing to God. Where are you going? How are you walking? What are you standing? Blessed is the man that constantly refreshed and bringing forth fruit 
their purpose, their plan, their aim, their ambition is to please the Lord Jesus Christ and become fruitful in their life, not only in the quality and character of it, but in the lives they influence. They become fruitful in winning others to the Savior, and they're looking forward to that day when they will hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Paul could put it this way in the New Testament. I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. That day, my friend, if you are ungodly, in that day you will not stand. You will not hear the Lord say, Welcome. He will say, Depart. But if you are a Christian, and you have been walking according to the things of God and the truth of God's word, you will hear, Well done, good and faithful servant. God knows the way of the righteous. What is that way? It's the way of the cross. Jesus' death and burial, his resurrection, his ascension, his seated intercession for us, his preparation in heaven and his soon return. It's the way Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The old hymn says, The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as you onward go, the cross leads home. Come to the cross. Confess your sin. See Jesus dying there for you. Repent, receive, believe on him as Savior and Lord and begin this God-blessed way. Read and memorize Psalm 1. Live according to its wonderful truth and be a God-blessed person that is fruit-bearing and so refreshing. God bless you. I trust the message that you just heard it will be a real blessing to you and that you can apply some of those truths to your life this next week. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we're really concerned about you and your spiritual well-being. We're trusting that you're growing in your faith and your closeness to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're also concerned about those who may be listening to this broadcast who are not believers at this point. And the gospel is very clear. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned, each and every one of us. I'm one of them. We have all sinned, and because of that, we're not eligible to be in God's presence because He's a holy God, He's a righteous God, He's a perfect God, and doesn't want to be in the presence of sin or sinners. But God does love the world, and He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him, whosoever means anyone can, whosoever believes in Him, should not perish but have everlasting life. And because God loves us, He provided a way for us to have our sin problem taken away. And the solution was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was God and he became man. He lived a sinless life and then he went to the cross. And on the cross, he bore your sins and my sins in his own body as he hung on the tree. He died and he rose again on the third day and he's alive. You can become a believer in Christ by receiving him by faith. But as many as receive him, asking Jesus to come into your life, unto them gave he the right to become the children of God. So if you want to be a child of God, if you want to have your sins forgiven, if you want to have eternal life, you need to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. And as you sincerely pray that prayer, God will redeem you. He will change you and you will be a new person. Don't forget to write in and get your copy of I Am, which are the seven powerful claims of Christ. You can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L. 2R7A7 or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York 14231. May the good Lord continue to bless you throughout this next week and we look forward to having you back next week for another precious word 